Hello, welcome to the second podcast for the International Sustainability Standards Board. This is Sue Lloyd, Vice Chair of the Board, and I'm joined today by Emmanuel Faber, the Chair of the ISSB. So it's the end of our second board week here in Frankfurt. Last time we spoke to you, we had just come out of our very first board meeting where we had the benefit of hearing from the staff about the feedback we've been receiving in the outreach um, on our exposure drafts, uh, the general requirements, uh, exposure draft S1 and the climate exposure draft S2. This week, uh, we've had the opportunity to actually do a deep dive into the feedback from the comment letters. Our staff have worked really hard uh, since the end of July to get to us a detailed analysis of the comment letters, and so that was what we were discussing this week. And it was also a really exciting uh, week for us as well because it was uh, the first time that we actually voted as a board. So we got to put our hands up twice and the staff were really excited that our first two decisions were unanimous. Um, we're not sure they should get used to that, but that was an exciting uh, moment that we all enjoyed. So with that introduction, I'm going to hand over to Emmanuel to, uh, for him to give us you know, his thoughts on, on this week's board meeting. Thank you, Sue, um, and, and welcome everyone to... Uh to our uh, podcast. Uh, indeed, it's been a pretty uh, e eventful summer, I would say, since we last uh, spoke to you um, out of our Frankfurt uh, meeting in July as a, as a board. Um, I, I think I'd like to maybe briefly, uh, you know, remind everyone that uh, one of the important uh, moments was in August when we were able to uh, announced the appointment uh, of a complete um, and finalized uh, board of 14 uh, members, in addition to uh, the 10, uh, the, or the 9, sorry, that attended in, uh, in, uh, in July. Um, we've, uh, we've announced, uh, in addition, uh, one uh, our Japanese uh, member, uh, Kiro uh, Komoshi, um, two uh, ladies from uh, uh, European countries who are going to be based here uh, in, uh, in Frankfurt, uh, Veronica Punceva joining as uh, the former uh, Chief Sustainability Officer of Metro uh, AG and uh, Jenny Boffinger, uh, who is currently the Chief Sustainability Officer of Siemens. Um, um, Veronica is from Bulgaria, Jenny is from uh, Germany. And uh, we also finalized uh, the, uh, the team of ISSB by appointing uh, a second vice chair uh, next uh, to, uh, to Sue uh, in the person of Jin Donghua, who is a Chinese national um, who uh, so, uh, so far has been the vice president and uh, treasurer of the World Bank. And we elevated um, his role to the function of uh, vice chair because he will be specifically in charge of uh, an extremely important part of our work. And I'm sure Sue will elaborate further on this when we speak about proportionality, which is um, we are here to build a truly inclusive, comprehensive global baseline. And so reaching out to smaller entities, to emerging uh, economies and markets um, is of the essence of that truly global baseline, in particular when you think about climate 
uh, it's quite clear uh, that this is a global topic that cannot be addressed by any specific jurisdictions, investor or, or company, and therefore that needs and requires this true inclusion. So Genome will be in particular responsible of that um, uh, in his ability as uh, co-vice chair. Um, I um, would add to this that uh, uh, the other, of course, very uh, eventful uh, part of the summer has been the incredible work of our staff. Uh, and I would like to thank you for leading that work with all our staff this, uh, this summer. Uh, we, we received uh, by the end of July more than 1,300 uh, letters of comments, um, some of them extremely detailed, and we are thankful to all of you on this podcast and beyond that that uh, took the time and the effort of writing to us what your comments were. We also built on uh, all the um, outreach events, more finally than close to 500 of them that were conducted by our teams, reaching out to 30,000 um, people uh, across the period of the consultation. Now, thank you for doing that. And I have to say that um, hopefully your efforts were not unnoticed. Um, our staff spent just on the analysis and the coding of uh, these 1,300 letters, more than 1,000 hours uh, in a matter of a few weeks and 20 persons, um, just to produce a super high quality review, well organized, uh, that I think, and I would personally um, comment as being an extremely uh, solid basis uh, for discussions at this board meeting. Uh, with the board papers being posted 10 days ahead of that. They've been public and I hope that, and we certainly got some already a good feedback on the quality of, of this analysis. So it allowed us indeed to uh, both um, elaborate as a board and clarify uh, with the staff uh, during these few days of board meetings here, um, the, the, the rich feedback, uh, the subtleties, uh, of this feedback, uh, some of the mixed feedback that we received, and we certainly felt at the end of these uh, clarification sessions much uh, better equipped in uh, then discussing what was next on the agenda, which is uh, the strategy for redeliberation um, on these uh, on these topics. I'll come back to that maybe at the end again, um, because of course we have this sense as illustrated in the board papers of both uh, the momentum uh, in which the market is reiterating uh, their interest and, and ask for us uh, to, be, um, to be working on what we do and, and the adoption of our standards and also uh, the ask for being timely in, in that and the compliment actually for uh, ISSB's um, were both um, thorough work, but really timely in terms of the delivery and delivering probably beyond expectations to a certain degree, but that consciousness of timing is very um, important uh, in our role of building this uh, global baseline at the moment where many jurisdictions are moving at the same in the same direction, 
of establishing standards and therefore uh, the fact that they become a common language uh, is fundamental to our remit. So that strategy for redeliberation is a big deal for us to make sure that we prioritize um, the right uh, decisions at the right moment in the next uh, three months. With that, I will stop and, and probably uh, suggest uh, if, if you, you could um, talk to us a, a little bit about the technical content of our discussion, please. Sure, Emmanuel. So I think um, quite tellingly, one of the uh, first things that we, well, the first uh, decisions that we made at the board uh, this month were on this issue of proportionality or scalability. So one of the very um, consistent messages that we got, both in the outreach that we did, but also through the comment letters, was really strong support for the global baseline, but really a, a very high level of emphasis from stakeholders about the importance of making sure that this is an accessible set of requirements for different types of entities right across the world. And I think really reflecting how seriously we're taking that, it was no sort of surprise that the first uh, cab off the rank in terms of what we would discuss was what we might do from a standard setting perspective uh, to really support this. So in addition to what I'm about to talk about, of course, we're also thinking about capacity building. We're also thinking about working with jurisdictions to make sure that um, there's a, a sensible time frame for application of the standards and things like that. But what we were talking about in this board meeting was what tools could we use in the actual standards that might help those who have um, capacity constraints. And we decided on a couple of tools that we will uh, consider when we get to particular standard setting issues during the re-deliberations. In particular, the fact that we would um, propose that in some cases, we would allow simpler disclosures to be required for some entities than for others, making sure in both cases that they're good disclosures for investors, but with some less complexity in some cases. And we also talked about the possibility of perhaps having some disclosures that would be applicable to all entities um, immediately, so maybe more qualitative ones, and, and perhaps having more complicated disclosures available for all entities at a later date, so bringing smaller entities and emerging markets in maybe at later dates. So we were talking about this toolkit. And one really important discussion that we had about this toolkit was the fact that as an aspiration, we don't want to lose sight of the idea of a global baseline that is comparable as the ultimate goal. So a lot of the discussion was about how we could use tools to allow more time for some entities to get into the system and to really get up to the full package of disclosures, but doing that in a manner which really respects the need for comparability for investors and an aspirational um, high quality um, global baseline for everybody is the ultimate goal. So that was a really important discussion and I think an interesting one for people to listen to um, if you want to go back and listen to the tape. The second thing where we made decisions was in the um, plan for the re-deliberations. Uh, so we actually gave uh, the staff the sort of directions on what should come back for re-deliberations, which is you know, a very quick set of decisions uh, given that the comment letter deadline finished only at the end of July. And that's because we thought by making the decisions now, we can be really organised and efficient in our re-deliberations to really get this done um, as quickly as we can, while being respectful of the feedback that we've got and making sure that we have a high quality um, product at the end. So if I were to comment on the types of decisions that come back, I, I think I'd probably group them in, in a couple of ways. One is that we will confirm and look at clarifying and working on some of the foundational aspects of 
S1, the general requirements document. So for example, how we describe the scope, what is encapsulated within sustainability-related financial information, how we articulate our investor focus. Some of these more fundamental issues will be an important uh, stream of work. And then once we get to climate, we'll look at some very specific topics, probably no surprises here, confirming how we'll deal with carbon offsets, looking at what we do with GHG emissions measurement, and also, really importantly, looking at what we do with the industry-based requirements in Appendix B to the climate documents, whether we're strong and different views from our stakeholders. So that will be a really important discussion, but I think the one thing I will say on the um, industry-based requirements in Appendix B is that we did get strong support for industry-specific disclosures, so it's really a question of the status of Appendix B and how specific we are with which particular industry-specific disclosures would be required rather than whether we would have industry-specific requirements. But as Emmanuel said, the papers on our website will also be issuing um, a summary of the decisions, and so that gives the specific set of um, topics that are going to be coming back to the board for the re-deliberations. Thank you, so Mary. Um, as just as a follow-up, uh, it looks to me that we also had uh, a number of discussions uh, of clarification, at least on the uh, around scope three, its exact definition and, and and the value chain. Can you maybe make a? Would you expect I'd say some re-deliberation about this in, in October? Yeah. Um, yes. Well, we expect to start. You know, starting again in October to do a bit more of a deep dive into the GHG emission side of things in particular. Probably looking at you know the, the whether we ask for scope three or not. We'll at least start in those discussions. And as Emmanuel said, really um, starting to look at some of the practical questions that we got back on how you deal with some of the measurement issues around greenhouse gas emissions. Some really important questions from some jurisdictions on whether the GHG protocol should be the only measurement methodology referred to because it's not used exclusively around the world. And a lot of people have asked us to really give a little bit more thought and clarity about both how you think about what to capture and the measurement in your value chain for GHG emissions, and also how to deal with some of the practical data availability type challenges. So there'll be quite a few different aspects of that sort of emissions um, disclosure stream of work. Yeah, well, thank you very much, Sue. And, and one thing I would add, because you were alluding to this, uh, uh, this fact that uh, jurisdictions have highlighted uh, the diversity of, of standards, protocol available, etc. Uh, I'd just like to uh, to remind uh, all of us here uh, around this podcast that um, we we actually have also a, a formal mechanism that allows us to have a dialogue with a few of uh, the growing number of jurisdictions uh, that become uh, more and more actively engaged uh, in the space of uh, sustainability standard setting. Um, as as you may remember. Uh, we've established a jurisdictional working group in May um, of this year uh, with five uh, jurisdictions that uh, are currently um, very actively engaged in, in our topics, and, and that is um, the US, uh, the EU, uh, Japan, China, and the UK, uh, with IOSCO as an observer uh, in those meetings. And uh, we've held those meetings on a very regular basis every month since the month of May. 
Um, the last meeting was just this week on Monday before our first uh, board uh, session. And I have to say that uh, I, would, I would really like to be, uh, you know, to express my, my gratitude on behalf of ISSB uh, for the time and effort spent by uh, our colleagues from those jurisdictions um, um, because it's a, a tremendous source of insight um, as uh, they've been able, as in the Villiers, to also look at our board papers and we could receive direct feedback from them after only a few days uh, after those papers became uh, public uh, about those and the needs for clarification and some other comments. And as, of course, um, it, uh, and as I shared to start this podcast, uh, our mission is to build a common language that will encompass those jurisdictions and many more. Uh, it is critical for us to also listen directly uh, from those. Um, uh, so we will continue our work with uh, the, the jurisdiction of working group uh, in the next several months. Um, to inform uh, our board deliberations uh, on the basis of uh, the, the, the board papers that we publish uh, a few days before board meetings. And I would also like to say that um, we will increasingly rely on uh, the um, um, constituencies that we have set around ISSB uh, to inform uh, our work, and I would like to uh, name two of them very importantly. The first is our investor advisory group uh, that that plays and that will and should play uh, a major role in uh, guiding our work. Um, that that group um, is inheriting uh, the very successful and numerous group of the BRF Foundation and the SASB standards, uh, which we will expand um, and would seek to uh, continue the dialogue with them. Ultimately, they are the users and the end users of uh, our standards, and it's critical that we continue our dialogue with them. And the second I would, uh, I would mention is um, the Sustainability Consultative Committee uh, that we have established. The first meeting took place last week. The second meeting will take place very in a very timely manner uh, before our board meeting in October. Uh, that committee is made of uh, five uh, multilateral organizations that have been at the inception of the creation of ISSB and a number of expert additional members that we have appointed. Our first discussion was really an introductory discussion, uh, but the next discussion is uh, meant to also inform uh, our agenda consultation and follow-on discussions based on uh, where we are with our standards. As you uh, all know, uh, we have been tasked to start with climate, uh, but not to stay only with climate. And um, for some, a part of the uh, feedback that we've received and that we continue to receive, there's some sort of urgency on some of, uh, in particular, the climate-related uh, topics. So uh, the Sustainability Consultative Committee uh, will be able to bring their input to our discussion in October 
when uh, we start discussing about the next part of our agenda beyond uh, beyond climate. Do you have any more comments, please? Um, I might move on to um, something else that was um, covered this week in our board meeting that we haven't mentioned yet, which is um, sort of the sort of uh, moving slightly from our from our deliberations on our own work and thinking about the connectivity with the IASB, which is obviously a very important part of our role being within the foundation and with many being very um, interested and um, hoping that we remember about the connectivity of the work between the two boards. And so um, having an, uh, an update um, from the chair of the IASB, um, Andreas Barco, uh, to make sure that we as a board were aware of the priority projects and what they're working on so that we have um, a level of awareness of their work and the potential points of connectivity in our work stream is a really important uh, session for the board as well. So really great to start that dialogue um, in our meetings with our, our sister board. And then I think I just look forward to our October meeting. So our October meeting will be held in Montreal, our first board meeting in Montreal, um, which will be exciting. And we're looking forward there to really a, quite a big week, I think, with a lot of papers coming um, moving forward, both a combination, I hope, of decision making, but also scene setting, deep diving on particular aspects of um, our um, re-deliberations. And as Emmanuel just alluded to, Again, talking about the future with a forward look on the um, future work on the consultation on the future agenda. So for those of you interested in our work, look out for the Montreal uh, Board Week. I think it will be quite a big week for us, um, so something to really look out for. Thank you. And uh, I think with that, we close. In Montreal, we'll be 12. We were uh, 10 uh, this week. And so uh, two additional members uh, who've been appointed would have joined by then. Um, and, and that's really great because, as Sue just said, uh, we will have a very full agenda of uh, deliberation. So stay tuned. Thank you for your attention. And we'll uh, speak to you again uh, in October from Montreal. For the latest developments from either the International Sustainability Standards Board or the International Accounting Standards Board, make sure to subscribe on the IFRS Foundation website, www.ifrs.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take some time to rate, review and subscribe on your preferred podcast player.